Today we are ending a series we've been in over the past month or so. And what's the name of our series? Say what? So if you're new with us in this series, we're exploring just a few of the commands of God that don't make sense. There are all kinds of commands in the Bible that are very confusing that cause us to pause and say, say what? Like, what do you want me to do? Like, that really doesn't make sense. We started this series four weeks ago looking at the first command that Jesus said in John 14, 15. He said, if you love me, obey me. And obedience is so hard for most of us. I don't know if it's hard for you, but it's really hard for me. And then we watched Jesus be obedient to his heavenly father to the point of death, dying on the cross for us. And then Jesus turns to us and says, hey, if you love me, do what I've asked you to do. So obedience is foundational in our relationship with God. In week two, Jesus gave us the greatest commandment ever given. He said, not only should we love God, which his audience would have said, yes, we get that, we understand that. Then he said, we need to love people. That's where his audience would have said, like, what? Like, that doesn't make sense. You can't put loving people on the same level as loving God. And Jesus said, you can't really love God unless you love people. You can't really love people unless you love God. Those two are inseparable. Then in week three, we looked at God's command for us to give of our time, talents, and treasures to build God's kingdom not our kingdoms. And, and Jesus said this outlandish thing. He said, you know all that stuff that you have, all that stuff you've accumulated, all that stuff in your storage unit you haven't seen in six months, you know all that stuff? It doesn't belong to you. Actually, it belongs to God. God wants you to use that stuff to build God's kingdom, not your own kingdom. And then last week, anybody remember what we learned last week? Don't worry. Don't worry. Yes. God, through the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, he says, don't worry about anything. And we all say, what? What are you talking about? Like, we got so much to worry about. And God said, listen, don't worry. I actually want you to tell me what your worries are. And then I want you to thank me for what I've done. And as you learn to do that, engage the spiritual discipline of thankfulness, you'll be able to experience my peace. And we all need more peace, especially in today's world. And so we can have that peace as we learn to engage the spiritual discipline of thankfulness. Now, today we're gonna explore what I think is one of the most challenging commands that God gives us. And this is what I call a yeah, but command. So are we all right, you okay? Good, we're all right. She's okay up here in the front row. It was just water, it's not coffee, no spill, nothing to be alarmed about. No worries. Don't worry. Just pray about everything. Okay. Where were we? We were were talking about our yeah, but. So this is a yeah, but command. So typically when we hear this command, we say in response, yeah, God, I would love to do that, but, but you don't know my situation. Like you don't really know what I'm going through. If you did know the details of my situation, you would understand why I should be exempt from this. This is a great command for other people. I would love other people to engage us. Their situations are probably not as bad as my situation. So they should do it, but I should be exempt. And many of us have that response when we see this command. But this command applies to all Christ followers. No one gets an exemption. No one. And the cool thing about this command 
is it's beneficial to anyone, whether you're a Christ follower or not. You don't have to believe in Jesus to benefit from this command. You could apply this command to your life today and benefit greatly, even though you may not really believe in Jesus yet. Now, I do have to warn you, though. Today's not going to be a fun message. Uh, You're not going to like today's message. You won't walk out with warm, fuzzy feelings and, and say, like, I'm so glad I went to church today. That was so great. You might be grateful that, that you got some information that can be transformational in your life. Um, but you're probably going to feel pretty uncomfortable today. So aren't you glad you came to church or you're, you joined us online to feel uncomfortable? So I'm going to walk you through this. You need to know that I don't love this message. I didn't love preparing it. I don't love delivering it, but I know I need it. And I know you need it as well. Today's message has two parts. In the first part, I'm going to talk to your brain. That'll be most of the message. In the last part, I'm going to talk to your heart, which is probably going to be the most important part of the message. So here's our crazy command comes from Jesus. It's captured in what is known as the Sermon on the Mount, which is the longest recorded sermon that we have of Jesus. It's captured in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Right in the middle of this sermon, Jesus pauses to say this. And and Jesus is talking about how to have a, a relationship with God, how to treat other people. And then he says this. He says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, he says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. What do we say in response to that? Say, <laughs> let's do it together, okay? So on the count of three, one, two, three. So I think that was some of the response of Jesus' original audience. So when they were listening to Jesus teach, there were a number of things that caused them in his sermon for them to go, say, what? Like, what does that mean? Like, I'm not sure how to even apply that. Like, what do you mean here, Jesus? Like, I love this part. If I forgive, you know, other people, their sins against me, God will forgive me. That's great. But if I refuse, then God won't forgive me. What does that mean? How do I even apply that to my life? That's a little scary. So this is one of the hardest passages to understand. We have to give, get out our spiritual shovels. We got to do a little digging here to really understand what Jesus means by this. Because we can come to some very wrong conclusions, and some people have, based upon these two sentences from Jesus. So we're going to do a little digging together. And we're going to actually back up in this sermon. We're going to look at a few other things that Jesus said about forgiveness And that's going to help us get back to the spot of understanding what Jesus meant in this verse. So we're going to start back in verse 9. So back in verse 9, we've got uh, something that should be very familiar to all of us. You may not have been able to find it in the Bible, but there's a really good chance you have heard this before. So Jesus was talking about prayer in this sermon. He said, pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Anybody know what that's called? The Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. 
uh, most famous prayer in all the world. Whether you're a Christ follower or not, there's a really good chance you've at least heard that prayer before. And in this prayer, Jesus says that we should talk to our heavenly father and ask him to forgive us the way we have forgiven others. Anybody want God to forgive you the way that you forgive other people? Like a few that do, but like for many of us, we don't really want to do that because we struggle with forgiveness. Many of us struggle with forgiveness. I sometimes struggle with forgiveness. There are moments I think I've forgiven someone and then later I find out, oh, maybe I really haven't done that because I, I still have some bitterness or resentment in my heart. I still got to work on that a little bit and we'll talk about that a little bit more today. Sometimes we just refuse to forgive thinking we are justified. Sometimes we forgive and take it back and forgive and take it back again and keep holding on to that bitterness and resentment. So for the most part, we are a mess when it comes to true forgiveness like Jesus is talking about. So for us to learn how to forgive, I want us to start by looking at how God forgives us. And we're going to begin that with some bad news. So here's the bad news found in Romans chapter three. The apostle Paul says, for everyone has, what's that word? Sin. All right, sin. So if you sin, what does that make you? Sin. A sinner. So uh, I know that's like offensive in our culture today. We don't like anybody calling us anything or labeling us. Well, God through the Apostle Paul labels all of us. Nobody gets an exemption. Nobody gets past this one. We've all sinned. That makes us sinners. So we have all fallen short of God's glorious standard. That's the bad news. Whether you have sinned in big ways or small ways, all sin separates us from God and requires forgiveness. Here's the good news. Verse 24. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they, what's that word? When they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. So when we come to an understanding that we can't earn a relationship with God, that we can't be good enough, we can't fix the things that, that we've done wrong, that we have to put our faith and trust in Jesus because he died on the cross to pay our sin debt, when we believe that, when we invite Jesus to be our Lord and our Savior, we can be forgiven. That's the really good news. And I want you to listen to what God does with our sin after that decision. In Psalms 103, verse 12, it says, he has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. And for those of you who are directionally challenged, that is a wonderful statement. I'm so glad he didn't say he's removed our sin from us as far as the north is from the south, because the north and the south have endpoints. You can go north, 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 get to the North Pole, and then if you keep going, you're going south. But if you start going east, you will never get to a most eastern point. You can keep going and keep going forever. That's how far God has removed our sin from us. And listen to this. Uh, Isaiah 118 says, come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Some of you this morning need to settle this. You need to hear this. 
from God. He says, let's settle this. Though your sins are like scarlet, I know you've messed up. You've messed up in some big ways or small ways. Regardless, it all separates us, and, and it's scarlet. It, it's this painful thing in your life. It's a painful thing in my life. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. God has some amazing laundry detergent, doesn't he? Like he does, like he sees the, the stain of our sin and he doesn't just cover it up like I do at my house when I'm doing the laundry. You know, sometimes I pull out that Clorox bleach pen and I think it's the solution for everything, but you know, there's moments like it doesn't quite work to get Sonny's barbecue sauce off of some of my favorite shirts, you know, and I, I get finished with doing the laundry and Tammy goes, you've been doing the laundry again? I'm like, yeah, she was like, I can see the stain. And our relationship with God you can't see the stain. Oh, it's there. It was there at one point. But with God's forgiveness, that stain is removed as if it was never on the fabric to begin with. That is amazing. Then Isaiah 43, 25, this is God speaking. He says, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. I am so glad God has a big eraser and a bad memory for some of the stupid things that I've done in my life. Anybody else glad about that? Yeah. We all should be grateful for that. Then 1 John 1.9 says, but if we confess our sins to him, if we come to God and say, God, I've messed up. Like, I need your forgiveness. If we come to him, confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So God takes away our sin through his forgiveness. That's how God forgives us. And isn't that so amazing? So amazing. And he says, now I'd like you to forgive other people the same way you have been forgiven. So if you're a Christ follower, how are you doing at forgiving other people? How are you doing at that? How are you doing at erasing the hurt that someone else has caused? How are you doing at not holding that sin against them? How are you doing at removing the condemnation of people's sin from them? I know this is hard, but God is asking us to do the same thing he's already done for us. So again, if you're a Christ follower, how are you doing at forgiving? Let's go back to Matthew 6, verse 14. Again, this is Jesus. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you, but if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Sometimes uh, when we're reading the Bible, if you come across something that it's really hard to understand, you're not quite sure what to do with that verse, how to apply it to your life. Sometimes the best way to approach that and understand what is being said is to first establish what is not being said. So we're going to start with that. So we're going to establish what Jesus is not saying. So Jesus is not saying that our salvation or our eternal life is dependent on us forgiving others. 
God wants us to forgive everyone, but he's not saying, if you don't forgive someone in your life, then I'm going to withhold eternal life, eternal salvation from you. Our salvation, our eternal life, is dependent on our belief in Jesus and what he's done on the cross plus nothing else. So we can't say that belief in Jesus plus a lot of good works equals eternal life. We can't say belief in Jesus plus perfect church attendance equals eternal life. And we can't say belief in Jesus plus forgiving others equals eternal life. All we can say is, from scripture, belief in Jesus, period, equals eternal life. So listen to what Paul says about this as he expands this idea. In Titus, verse 3, He says, when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins. So remember what he does with our sin. He he washes them away. He removes them. He blots them out, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. So again, eternal life comes through belief in Jesus alone. We can't add anything to it, and we can't add forgiving other people to it as well. Now, for those of you who are thinking, great, that means I don't have to forgive anybody, that's not what's being said here. It's not what we need to understand. Now, you're not the only one who's ever thought that. The apostle Peter actually thought that at one point. He asked Jesus this question in Matthew 18, verse 21. He asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? And to understand how comical of a question this is, you kind of need to understand the culture and what was happening in that day. It was customary in that day that you only had to forgive people three times. And if if somebody violated your trust beyond that, you didn't have to forgive them after that. So um, like imagine like walking around in life and you've got this, you know, three strikes against you kind of thing. Like strike one, like you better watch out, two more and we're done. Like I'm out of this relationship, no more. I can't put up with you anymore. Uh, strike two, you know, one more, I'm out. I mean, there'd be a lot of pressure related to that. And so Peter says, well, let me double it and add one. So like seven times, Jesus, is that like a super spiritual thing? And Jesus says, no, Peter, not seven, but 70 times seven. And I don't know if Peter was good with math or not, but I'm sure he started counting like, wait a minute, like carry the zero. That's 490 times. So if I keep track of somebody hurting me on that 491st time, does that mean that's it? I'm done. No more forgiveness for you. No, I think Jesus was saying to Peter, like, it's a lifestyle thing. Your forgiveness should be a lifestyle because our faith is built on forgiveness. If we refuse to forgive other people, we are tearing at the foundation of our faith. We are refusing to give to someone else what has been given to us, and that is a really big deal to God. So forgiveness is foundational. 
to our relationship with God. Some Bible scholars believe that Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 14, and 15 to get our attention. Like this was an exaggerated statement, like, hey, a shock and awe statement. Want to get your attention? Pay attention to this. This is such a big deal. So some Bible scholars believe that. I'm not fully convinced that's why Jesus said that. Other Bible scholars believe that Jesus was implying that anyone who refuses to forgive someone who's hurt them is not really a Christ follower. That they've not truly received the forgiveness God gives and that's why they can't give it to someone else. Now, I think the weight of that really should cause us to reflect when we are having a hard time forgiving someone, like, like really process the weight of that. Like, do I understand what our faith is built on? And am I willing to extend to someone else what has been extended to me? I should be. It might be hard, but I should be. I should be willing to do that. Other Bible scholars believe that unforgiveness won't affect our eternal relationship with God, but it will damage our daily relationship with God. So put it uh, in this context. So think about a relationship between a parent and a child. So let's say you've got a a teenage child or an adult child um, who says to their parents, like, mom, dad, like, I do not want to do what you're asking me to do. Like, I I just don't want to do that. You know what? I'm refusing. Forget it. Like, I'm not. Uh, Will that relationship be damaged? Like, yeah, it will be. Is it still there? Is it still intact? It can be. You know, they're still in a relationship, but there's some damage in that relationship. And that relationship can be repaired when that, that family member comes back and says, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I behaved that way. I need to fix that. And, and our relationship with God, we can repair our relationship with God and we say, I'm sorry. Like, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't behave that way. I should extend to other people what you've extended to me. So we can still have a relationship with God, but that relationship can be damaged. There are other Bible scholars who believe that God will withhold eternal rewards from us if we refuse to forgive other people on this earth. That he'll say, like, I was gonna give you this for all of eternity, but I can't because you chose not to continue to grow in your relationship with me. That you, you have an eternal relationship with me, but there are certain things that I won't be able to give you for all of eternity. So I think those, those last two are probably a little closer to what Jesus really meant when he said that. But here's what we know in summary. Forgiveness is a big deal to God, so it should be a big deal to us. Our relationships get damaged when we refuse to forgive, and that's our relationships with each other, our relationship with God as well. And forgiveness is what our faith is built on, so it should be what our lives are built on. Now, to really apply forgiveness to our lives, we have to understand some foundational things about forgiveness. And um, this is a conversation that's um, just going to begin here, but it won't end here. Uh, There's a lot more to dig through with this conversation. So first, we need to define forgiveness. So forgiveness in the dictionary, if you look it up, can be defined like this, can be defined as a deliberate choice to release feelings of resentment or vengeance towards someone who has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness or not. So I think this is a good starting point, but I think God's forgiveness goes beyond this, and I think he wants our forgiveness to go beyond this as well. But again, it's a deliberate choice 
to refuse to hold feelings of bitterness and resentment, to set that other person free from that, to set yourself free from the damage that unforgiveness can cause. Another thing that we need to understand about forgiveness is that it is a decision and a process. Forgiveness is a decision and a process. It can happen in a moment, but many times it's something that happens in many moments. So I want you to think about forgiveness and the process of it kind of like grieving. So most of us now understand that grieving is a process that takes time. So if you've lost somebody significant in your life to death, uh, then you kind of understand this. Um, you know that after you have the, the, the funeral or celebration of life, uh, your grieving is not over at that point. Your grieving has probably just begun. Uh, grieving is a process that takes time. So forgiveness is similar to that. So forgiveness can happen in a moment. You hurt me, you hurt my feelings, and, and I say, listen, I forgive you. I'm not going to hold that against you. That can happen in a moment. Um, I hurt you deeply, and you might choose to forgive me uh, in a moment, but then there might be other moments that you continue to forgive me. Because uh, tomorrow, when you see me, I might remind you of that pain that was caused, whether I say anything or not, just seeing me or hearing my name might you know, cause little roots of bitterness and resentment to start growing again. And so often what we have to do is we have to address that daily. Uh, it's like a new weed that comes up in your yard. Like you got to pull that out every day in order to address it effectively and get true healing from it. So again, it can happen in a moment, but sometimes it happens over many moments where we have to walk through this process of forgiveness and true healing. A third thing we need to know about forgiveness is that forgiveness does not condone the hurt that was caused. Forgiving other people does not say to them, you know what, it was really okay for you to hurt me that way and you can hurt me that way again. That's not what forgiveness means. Um, the hurt that was caused needs to be acknowledged. We need to, to label it. We need to give it kind of a name like, hey, that was painful. What you did to me was painful. Hopefully the person who hurt you will acknowledge it, but you can still forgive them whether they acknowledge it or not. They might say, you know what, I, don't, I didn't really hurt you, or I don't care that I hurt you. They might say that, but you can still walk through a process of forgiveness that sets you free from the prison of bitterness and resentment that you can be stuck in. Again, it's giving to others what God has given to us. Now, another thing that we need to understand is that forgiveness does not mean you have to stay in a relationship with that person who hurt you. Now, I'm not talking about minor infractions here. Uh, so, you know, like, you know, if, if you're a, a child and, and you know, mom and dad don't get you the candy bar on your way out of, you know, the grocery store, you know, you can't say like, oh, you've been so toxic to me. Like, I'm stepping out of this relationship. That's not what we're talking about here. Okay. So we're talking about toxic, um, abusive situations. When somebody's like that, what's very appropriate is to set boundaries, and those boundaries can include forgiveness where I forgive you for what you've done, but I don't trust you. Trust and forgiveness are two separate things. You can forgive someone and not trust them. It's really okay. There's a, a passage in scripture 
that Jesus says about several communities that he was ministering around, it says that he did not entrust himself to them because he knew the nature of their hearts. So if Jesus established some boundaries, I think we can establish some boundaries as well. So you might be in a relationship with somebody um, who's kind of toxic, and maybe you need to put a boundary there. And that boundary can be moved if their behavior changes, but maybe that boundary needs to stay. Maybe you need to learn to love them from a distance. And that's really okay, I think, in God's eyes. Now, for those of you who are like continuing to struggle with uh, other questions about forgiveness and you're not quite sure what to do with this, I have a book recommendation for you. So this book is called Forgiving What You Can't Forget. It's by Lisa Turkhurst. Uh, it's a recent uh, publication. It's a great book that where Lisa walks through several deep hurts that she's experienced in her life, and she walks through from a biblical perspective how to walk that process and that journey. This is not a book where she is looking back on a process that she has finished and, and giving advice to us. This is her walking through this process now and offering the same advice that she's trying to apply to her lives to us. So I think that'd be a great resource uh, for you to get if you're really struggling with that. Okay, done a lot of talking to your brain. Now I'm gonna talk to your heart as we close. In just a minute, our worship team is gonna close us in a song called Forgiveness. It's written by Matthew West, and if you're not familiar with Matthew West, I encourage you to get familiar with him. He writes some amazing songs, and most of his songs have an amazing story behind the song that he writes. Here's the story behind the song Forgiveness. It's based on Rene Napier's story. Rene Napier uh, lives in Florida, and in 2002, she got the call that no parent ever wants to get. She got the phone call that her 20-year-old daughter had been killed. It's a picture of her daughter, Megan, and her friend Lisa, both girls, 20, died on their way home from babysitting. They were hit by a drunk driver. They were hit by a young man, uh, Eric Smallridge. He was 24 at the time. And Eric wasn't a horrible person. Eric made a really horrible decision that night. And that decision took the lives of these two precious girls. Well, after that event, that tragedy thrust Renee down a path of bitterness and hatred and resentment. And she didn't know what to do with all that was building inside of her. And so she wanted to prevent other people from experiencing what she had experienced. So she began doing presentations at high schools and colleges and military facilities, any place where she could get an audience, and she would talk about the dangers of drunk driving. And as she walked through uh, those presentations over and over again, she began to realize that even though Eric was in prison for 22 years, she was the one who felt like she was imprisoned. Like she didn't feel like she could break free from that prison of bitterness that she felt in her life. And so she recognized that God wanted her to give to him what had been given to her. So she decided, imagine this, she decided to reach out to him in prison and forgive him. Here's a picture of that encounter. So Renee told Eric that she serves a God 
who has forgiven her and commands that she forgives others. So she extended to him what had been extended to her. And eventually, Eric put his faith and trust in Jesus as his Lord and Savior, became a Christ follower. And then the unthinkable happened. Eric and Renee joined teams on their presentations. Here's a picture of them doing that. Can you imagine standing on a stage with the young man who killed your daughter to talk about the dangers of drunk driving? Well, that picture is a picture of the power of forgiveness. Renee said she eventually gained a son through Eric. And she went to the courts for him on his behalf and asked for his sentence to be cut in half. And it was. They have an amazing relationship and they work to save lives physically and spiritually. They have an amazing story. That's the story behind the song that we're going to sing together. And as we're singing this song, I wonder who might you need to forgive? Hopefully, you'll never be put in a spot like this where, where you have to, to forgive at the level that Renee forgave. But maybe you have. Maybe you've already been there. Maybe you'll be asked to forgive someone for a worse tragedy. I'm not sure. But who might you need to forgive? Maybe they're sitting next to you. Maybe they refuse to come today. Maybe they're at work. Maybe they're in your small group. Maybe they're on a serving team with you. Maybe they're on social media. Most likely, there's somebody around you that you need to extend to them what has been extended to you, and you need to remember that forgiving them doesn't get them off the hook. It just sets you free. So when God said, I blot out your sin for my benefit, that tells us that forgiveness is not only for the benefit of the people who receive it, but it's also for our benefit as well. It's the secret. It's the secret key that opens the prison door of resentment and bitterness that we can live in. So who might you need to forgive in your life? So here's what we know. Forgiveness is a big deal to God. It should be a big deal to us. Our relationships get damaged when we refuse to forgive. And forgiveness is what our faith is built on. And it should be what our lives are built on. So as we sing today, I encourage you just to process, God, is there anybody you need me to forgive? Is there anybody in my life that's hurt me? Anybody I need to extend to them what you've extended to me? Give me the courage. Give me the strength to do that. Again, maybe it's a decision that happens in a moment for you. Maybe it's many decisions that happen in many moments for you. But either way, I hope that you'll take one more step down that process of true forgiveness. And if you need to have a conversation with someone after the service, I encourage you to stop by our care center. We've got some amazing people out there that would love to pray with you. Uh, Brian will be out there, our care pastor. He would love to talk with you about anything that's going on in your world. And after the song, I'm going to come back.
back out front here, and I'm just going to be at the front of the stage. And if, if you need to have a conversation or you want to pray, I'll be available here as well. So if you would, let's pray together, and then we're going to sing about forgiveness. God, this command that you have for us, that we forgive other people, is so challenging. There are people who hurt us, and it's just so hard to offer them this thing called forgiveness. Sometimes we think, well, that just means they're off the hook, and they'll never be held accountable for that. That's not what forgiveness means. Forgiveness truly sets us free from the prison bitterness and resentment that can destroy our lives. So Lord, today there there just might be some people here who need to apply this command. Lord, I pray that you would give them wisdom as they walk down this journey. Is this a one moment decision they need to make? Is this a many moments decision they need to make? Speak clearly to them about this. And I pray that they would be courageous in choosing to offer to others what you have offered to us. God, I also understand that maybe today somebody here on campus or somebody online has never received your forgiveness that leads to eternal life. Lord, I pray that today they would make that decision. They would say, like, I need you, Jesus. I need you to forgive me of my sins, the things that I've done wrong. I believe, Jesus, you died so I can have eternal life. And Lord, I know if they make that decision, that declaration in their heart, you will forgive them. You'll enter a relationship with them, and that relationship will last for all of eternity. So Lord, if there's anybody in that spot, I pray that they would make that amazing decision today. So we ask you to guide us in how to forgive the way you forgive us. In Jesus' name.